from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Well, what's up, security gang? Welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast. It's a Friday conversation special. I'm joined by a uh, uh, and one of my favorite industry voices because he talks about a topic I'm so passionate about, identity. Uh, Jeff Rich, uh, he's the Executive Director at Identity Defined Security Alliance. Jeff, welcome to the show. James, thank you very much. It's great to be here. I said your last name right, correct? Yes, yes you did. The okay. E is silent. It's the only part of me that is. I, I, I love it. Uh, th that's such a good kickoff for this Friday morning show. So uh, welcome, everyone. Welcome to the show, uh, Jeff. It's, it's great to have you here. You know, we're talking about identity today, and, and that's what the next 30 minutes are going to be focused on, y'all. And so, you know, you really want to tune in. But let's start off by people who haven't heard about what Identity Defined Security Alliance is. Kind of what is it? Why'd you start it? Or, or were you one of the starters? And, and what made you kind of jump on board with, with this with this security alliance? Well, the Identity Defined Security Alliance is a nonprofit, and it's comprised of identity and security vendors, along with any other corporation or individual that wants to join and really drive the identity-centric model towards the security of identities and identity security. And that just touches so many areas that I know we're going to get into today. But but that's really the, the, the sum of it. We're not profit. We have research we provide some education um we we produce white papers blogs webinars so we we like to and almost all of that is free because we're a nonprofit so we really like to drive the security of identity forward and that's with everyone on board yes you know it's it, it's so funny to see um identity start to get uh, i think a little bit more of the respect it deserves per se right um for, for so often we were focused on devices and endpoints but we've rather forgotten you know our our our, our ability to look at a, an identity whether it be human or non-human was always related to to that and and so now to see identity kind of really take a take a front and center approach is, is unbelievable you know you you and i were talking right before the show started and and i've always said identity is the new endpoint and you go well identity is the new perimeter um so 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 kind of help define what you mean by identity is the new perimeter happy to so i have been in this space for let, let's just say five decades and we'll go with that all right i've been doing it a while and actually if you go back to when i started a lot of of it was called data security at the time was identifying giving people user ids resetting their passwords and then giving them access to to things usually files so it to a degree it's kind of come full circle but in a, at a much higher level because Back then when I started, the perimeter was were the edges of the mainframe computer. And then once you, you had a little more and there was more disk space, that became, the perimeter became the walls of the data center. And then when networking, internal networking happened, the perimeter became the walls of all of the facilities and buildings that a company or an organization had. Then the internet happened and the perimeter became the world, essentially, which, which means it was tough to define. And now, if you look at anything you do, you can't get anything done without saying who you are right. at a minimum, which means that the perimeter now is, or the where people want to breach, is your identity, you. Once your identity is compromised, the, your adversary gets access to a whole bunch of stuff you don't want them into. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's why we see these attacks on 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 LastPass or OnePass, Okta, and so many others that are really kind of defined identity solutions as as being at the front. And again, they're victims of a crime, so we're not trying to shame them here. And, and that's not something we do on the podcast, right? But it's it's essentially when you look at the focus of our of our adversaries, you're seeing their focus really switch to these identity providers that are supposed to kind of provide that you know defense and depth security on on people's identities. Well, I, I want to maybe offer one slight tweak on that because I, I'm not I'm not here to chastise anyone for what or, what did or didn't happen either. My career hasn't been perfect, so no one is. You can't build security with a perfect career, and if you have, you've you've jumped ship uh, too many times. You've you've never been in the battled waters, right? Or you've only been doing it for three months. <laughs> Those are the only two <laughs> options. Um, so, um, but I don't think anyone really offers a, hey, here's a complete de- uh, defense in depth. Use us and you'll never have a compromise. You know, no vendor is going to say that because they are run by people. They have software that were written by people and they're on systems operated by people. So even if the software were perfect, which it never is, there are still people involved. And no matter how good you are, no matter who you are, that you are either going to forget something or just have a bad day and um, or just one slip up. All it takes is 10 seconds. And that could happen to be the opportunity for someone to say, oh, I'm going to take advantage of that and exploit it. So there is no perfect defense. However, the advantage of defense in depth is when one of those defenses slips, you should have another one ready to catch it. And, you know, I've always said in incident response, you should always prevent everything you can. But boy, be ready to respond to everything else. And that everything else is a larger sphere. It, it, it typically always is because you know that entry point is is is, is it varies, right? It can be a someone's identity and credentials, which we've obviously seen recently be the main the main entrance and and way to escalate privileges within an organization, right? Let me target someone who's got access to something in order to to to, to get there, which is again identity related. Um, it can be vulnerability related, right? So, so you know, one big one this week is Citrix, Citrix bleed, right? We we saw it's wrecking havoc in Australia, kind of essentially halting their supply chain, uh, but by hitting the largest port and uh, container yard in 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 Australia, right? Well, you know that that's coming from a vulnerability, and 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 we're seeing a whole bunch of those continue to kind of continue there, and it's almost like. You know, when you look at ransomware, people go, oh, how'd they get in? Well, one of two ways. They either got in through identity or they got in through a vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the CIS top 20, those two tend to be in the top 10, right? Patch your stuff, secure your identities, and then improve your identity-based solution. It's not just enough to do MFA. Let's just say that. Yeah. By the way, when's the last time you heard someone say, oh, you need strong passwords? Yeah, you kind of do, but boy, are we past that. I, I think we're past passwords. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think we're past passwords. I think we're um, we, we have to be more intricate in the way we look at identity. Um, I've been a firm believer that you've got to go beyond passwords and you've got to do essentially a a not just an MFA, but a but a but a a lot of different MFAs based on different access points you're giving people, um, and, and you should constantly be validating that person's identity um, throughout. And, and and I mean that by zero trust. A lot of times, what well, I think a very common mistake, by the way, is 
someone logs in once and they can stay logged in for 30, 40 days. Mm -hmm. uh, that that's a, uh, I think that's an identity risk that you take on. That's that's you should make people log in multiple times a day sometimes, depending yeah, on that, the access they have. That risk expands exponentially the longer you stay in. Right. Well, especially if if your people are compromised and how many people actually run threat intel on all of their employees to see if they've got compromised passwords. Constantly? No one. No one, right? No, no one. No government. Not even I mean, governments do that. No, if if you look at if if you think of it, you know, even one of my downfalls and one of the and this was budgetary, I think, and and it's budgetary and execution, right, more than anything else, is um, how how do you keep track of five thousand people's usernames and passwords? Oh. Right, we we used to do it by by looking at system admins and then executives and people who who had specific access. Those were the people who were really monitored. On, on to see if anything ever landed in the dark web um but 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 you can't do all employees and on all it takes is one yeah let's say you had a successful test let's say you did a dictionary attack an internal dictionary attack to see what was going on you are good i have secure passwords yeah that was a minute ago right. someone has changed their password since then right yeah um you know, when you look at when you look at kind of some of the challenges organizations have in kind of adopting identity and and really kind of defining it better, what, what's some of the challenges you've seen for for practitioners, and what are some of the solutions you think? How do we how we, how do we really need to think about identity? So there's a couple of ways to look at this. You know, one to, to consider is one you just mentioned is is people often complain about budget. I don't have enough budget. I don't have the resources, people, or tools to be able to manage identities correctly. Right. And when I, sometimes when they come to us and say, what, what solutions do you have for that? Well, first of all, there's no free solution, but better yet, what question are you asking? When you, I, there's a, a presentation I've done. In fact, I've been doing it now for over 15 years called take your CFO to lunch. It, it doesn't have to be literal, but it really boils down to, do you know what it takes for budget to be allocated and approved in your organization? If you don't, you're never going to get the budget you need, full stop. So let's start there. And that has nothing to do with identity or security. It's if you have a function to perform and you know what you truly need, not, not simply saying, oh, I want more budget. But if you truly know what you need, you should be able to justify that with some effort, but without difficulty. And, and that's the first thing I push back. Let's go back to management on one before you even try to have a technical solution to identity issues. So you already mentioned some of it may be budgetary. So assuming we get past that, although I have a feeling knowing you, we're going to come back to it at some point yeah, at some uh, in, in one way or another. But assuming you have that, then you have to get down to, okay, what type of um, identities do I have in my system? And I usually tell them, and you can use different terms for this, that you're going to have three different types of identities. You're going to have carbon-based identities, people you can identify, see, and depending on what your organization's like and what your HR policies are like, pretend you can touch them, right? So um, you have carbon-based identities. You have silicon-based identities. I have a number of silicon-based identities in this device. Right. And, and it's not just your phone. It's the computer. It's my your car. If your car is less than 10 years old, you have silicon-based identities in your car. Every webcam in your house, your, your doorbell, 
those are all silicon-based identities. And in between the two, you're also going to have our artificial identities, which are either created simply for a, a given environment or to link your carbon-based identity to your silicon-based identity. So three types of identities. You have those three categories. Map out where all those identities exist. And if that seems like a lot of work, go find another line of work because that's what you need to do to make identity work. And if you're going to work in security, if you don't have your arms around identity, nothing else happens correctly. So you map all that out and then you can start categorizing who should be where, which means in some cases you take people out of categories. That's going to help you a lot. The less you have to protect, the, the better you can protect it. Well, I think this goes to one of the most difficult tasks you can ask an organization to do. Are you mm -hmm. ready for it? User access reviews. Mm -hmm. who, who, who does those really that doesn't say once a year, yeah, yeah, I'll click yes and go on. Right? How many times is that explained to the managers who you need to validate the access? How important it is to actually take an hour out of your day and review all your employees' access and make sure we're giving them the right access. And we need to find a way to have that accountability right. in the manager's hands and head. Otherwise, in their minds, it's like, well, that's your job. You're the security guy. Right. But, but they don't understand that as a security guy, you, you're only as good as the business giving you the information you need in order to enforce it, right? If the business gives too much access, you're not going to be the one to question it. And part of that is you don't question it is because if security is too tight and people can't do their job, then CISO and everyone in security is under a lot of duress as to why things aren't moving smoothly and why is security interfering with productivity and efficiency. Yeah, you're costing us more. You're, we can't do sales. Blah, blah. Yeah, no, I've been doing this a long time. My most common title was uh, Chief Security Officer, CSO, which I believe and often stands for Chief Scapegoat Officer in these right. cases, either because I can't get something done or look at what happened. Why didn't you stop this? Uh, <laughs> right. e either way, you were the guy that they were coming to and you go, well, you know, and, and, and this is one of the challenges is visibility, right? And visibility mm -hmm. and user access really relies on the business. And, 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 you know, one, one of the big things I, I, I often talk about, and one of the things I've exercised in, in my entire career as a practitioner, even today, is you, you have to have the business understand why these things are happening. Why I need you to pay attention to user access, why it's important that people don't have more access than they need, why it's important that different departments, as they add more technology, that they involve security in early, right? And, and that goes into relationship, that goes into, into accountability, that goes into, you know, doing a good racy chart with the business. Um, one of the things I did early on in one of my roles was I built a racy chart for every line of business. Mm-hmm. And I took it to every single business leader and, and, and not on our first meeting, but our second meeting, right? First meeting was lunch, getting to know each other goals, you know, kind of, kind of building that. The second one was I go, Hey, based on our meeting, I built this racy chart. Do you mind taking this with your managers and reviewing it and letting me know what you think about it? Most of the time they never pushed back on it, but then that gave them that accountability and that accountability was noted, meaning it had a record of that accountability. And then a lot of times as a CISO and as a security practitioner, you got to do a CYA, cover your ass uh, type of deal. And that was one of mine. Um, well, certainly that's a successful approach as, as you've demonstrated. Um, and, and I like the approach because what you're saying is that your first meeting is, let me find out what your needs are. 
And then the next thing you did, whether you're, you're calling it that or not, is you made security and identity part of the business. Right. Um, you know, too often I hear um, a, a CISO or an identity person say, well, the business wants this. Or here's a phrase, here's a phrase for you, and tell me what you believe most people mean when they say it. Oh, that was a business decision. What do most people mean, really, when they say that? Yeah. It, it wasn't my choice. Someone else made the call. Exactly. I disagreed with it. Really. So tell me which decision you made that wasn't a business decision. I dare you. Well, security is a business decision. That's the problem, right? That's the, that's the, that, that's the colossal shift that needs to happen today. 10 years ago, you and I, if we, if we did this podcast 10 years ago, right? We're 20, end of 2023, right? So let's go to end of 2013, mm-hmm. right? It was a different world. Right. It was, it was a completely different, if you and I had this conversation, people would be like, no, you're still kind of it. You're not really business driven. If you are, you're only business driven in a handful of places that are really, really large. Otherwise everywhere else go and just make sure, you know, there's passwords are, are safe and no one's using password as a password or one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight as a password. And the firewall mm-hmm. is configured correctly. Yeah. Secure that the network. Safe. That's what they want you to do. Secure right. the network. Secure the network, but no one was looking at securing the business today. Mm-hmm. If you still have that conversation, there's either a significant lack of maturity in your organization and it's on you. It's on you as the security practitioner to go to places like the, you know, the IDSA or, or ISAC or ISAC or any, 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 like any, any, the other, or, uh, you know, nonprofits that are out there and get all the tools to educate and bring your business up to where security should be. And if you don't do that, then I, th- I think you, you stand to, to face a very challenging time as a practitioner. Uh, yeah, your successor will be more successful than you. If there is a successor in some of those cases. You know, it's funny you say that. I've had um, some positions that I've had where a, a situation occurred. I think as we agreed earlier, I'm not perfect. My career hasn't been perfect. One reason or another, when I left, the decision was we're eliminating that department. And and those of us that were in it before, as an aside, would take bets to see how long it was before it was recreated. I've never seen it go longer than 18 months. Yeah. I've never been on that end of the, the I've never been at that end. I've had peers be there, right? Where they were a three-man team. And what they've done is they've eliminated the leadership. They've given it to someone who was intentionally, by the way, creating challenges for the security practitioner and that that person was able to essentially sell themselves as being the person who can do X and Y, right. And own security. And then, you know, a year later you see them on in, 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 in a ransomware alert somewhere or in a data breach somewhere and you go. Hmm. Yeah. Or, or and a month later, yeah. And a month later they're hiring a CISO. <laughs> Exactly. Replacing that person who is now no longer there and the whole thing just starts over again. And and not much ground was gained. And and that's really the sad story of the security industry. We don't business hasn't in general learned from a lot of those mistakes. What it takes for businesses to feel like they've learned something and want to progress is either a fine or a big, a huge reputation hit, although those are really not as significant as we'd like to make them out to be. If you well, think about I mean, it, <laughs> we, we're so also, we're so focused on internal identity, right? Our employees mm-hmm. and their access that we forget about our customers. And you and I come from a financial services background. You and I both know 
that the way to win the hearts and minds of people in the business is to own the customer identity part of the house mm-hmm. from design to build to integration to maintenance own it all own it all the reason you want to own it all don't be don't be the guy who owns the design but nothing else don't be the, the guy who does implementation and nothing else own it all yes you're taking on a lot of responsibility but guess what that's how you forge relationships with the product team, with the business team, with the CFO, with the CEO, with the board, uh, with fraud, uh, with compliance, with legal. And now all of a sudden you're crossing all of those different entities in the business. You're building those relationships. And because you're owning it, what you get to do on the customer side, you get to even enhance more on the internal side. You get to bring your seat to the table and you get to earn it because now you're being, now you're being a business driver. And in financial services or e-commerce, in the places where stolen identity on the customer side costs the company money, you reduce that by any significant percentage. You let the CFO go, by the way, since we've transferred, when they're at a board meeting, seen it happen, since we've transferred identity to the security team rather than the product team, we've reduced fraud by 22%, just saved us you know, $20 million. Oh. And the product team can now focus only on, on product. product. And the product team's happy about it. Yes. But now you're also, as a security person, now you've got visibility into everything the business is doing because you've got your identity team sitting with the product team. And you've got your SOC team now fully integrated onto the customer side. And now you're really working with your NOC and you're really working with your fraud team and your legal team and, 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 and so forth. And you really own it. And identity is such a critical piece to the business that any failure of security to own it from end to end is just a missed opportunity of colossal. It's, 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 it's the person who took the bet on the Patriots winning the Super Bowl against the Falcons at halftime when it was 28. <laughs> well, you know, you can look at the odds and you can say, but look at every prospectus if you're going to invest. Past performance does not indicate future performance. It, it doesn't, but you know, would you gamble against Tom Brady? That's the question, but we're not going to get into that today. So accept that. And I was a physics right. major. Okay. <laughs> betting against Tom Brady at one point in time is different than betting against Tom Brady at another point, another in, time. point in time. <laughs> yep. But that was that point in time, but, yes. but that goes to the identity aspect, right? Own it, all of it, own it. And understand that responsibility, but you're going to go and you're going to get the budget to own it from A to Z. You're going to be able to go and get a, a, a security architect that identifies and understands identity. You're going to be able to go and find the right partners, you know, and, and I had great identity partners in my last few roles, great identity partners that were just part of, of, of our company. They're, they're security engine, they're, they're sales engineers, they're architects. They were part of our kind of building out our entire identity infrastructure. And that's so important. It's because smart people get it. You don't have to be an identity expert to get the fact that without identity, the keystone for everything about your infrastructure either works or falls apart. So talk to me a little bit in the time we have left, Jeff. How does idea saying kind of how does how do your work how do you help practitioners really elevate identity and and what are some of the best practices you can share with people from what you've seen, you know, five decades worth of experience leading this nonprofit. Now you're, you're, you're doing amazing work to help elevate a topic that I think is, is, is top of mind and critical for everyone. You know, so, what should we be taking away? A, a, a few things. I, I'm not going to try to cover 
50 years of experience necessarily. There's a book in there somewhere. But let's focus on IDSA. IDSA has been around for about five years. Um, I joined early, at the beginning of 2023. The founding executive director decided to retire. I uh, was recruited in and, and um, did a great job. I'm now happy to, to take this on, and we're, we're working on expanding a bit more as well, but specifically as far as membership. Specifically, some of the takeaways that occur um, every year, we do a um, a research survey using a third party that um, can go get a cohort of about a, a, a organizations that have a thousand or more people. Because even though identity is important to everyone, it, it really you can only get good takeaways from scale to a degree. We get respondents anywhere from security architects up through CEOs, and we do cross tabs, and we can say you know what what sort of role or title says what. But in that research, and I won't go through all of it here, and you can download that from for free from our website, by the way. And we publish a new one every spring. You can see what's been going on, such as um, how many identity breaches have you had in the past year? Did any of these identity breaches have an effect on you? The reason that information is important is twofold. One, we're looking at trends. The number of breaches is certainly going up. Even though we have better tools and people are more aware, but the number of breaches are going up because the bad guys have more tools and, and more power available to them as well. Um, and you're looking at what sort of impact does it have? The reason that information, the second reason that's so important is when you want to go to your management and say, hey, here's a reason, yet another reason why identity is so important. Here is you know, independent survey information that says, here's the sort of effect it has on your company. Is that what we want? Let's get in front of that. So there's there's other things in there as well, such as using MFA and and all the other things that, that are associated with identity. So I, I recommend go to IDSalliance.org and, and download the report. Um, you'll also see some blogs there. And, and uh, we actually have, um, we have working groups as well. And one of the working groups focuses on best practices. Uh, so you can go into there and either see blogs or papers that produced by that working group that says, here's the best practices to map what you're doing against the current NIST standards, as an example, or ISO standards, if you're not necessarily focused on U.S. only. Um, we also um, have a working group on AI. You know, we mentioned silicon-based identity and, and artificial identities. Um, AI can generate its, its own identities. AI can duplicate your identity to a point where it's going to be hard to tell. So you want to see what best practices are out there. What should, we, what should we be looking at to use? And what sort of things should we not be doing yet? Because AI could potentially get ahead of where our capabilities are. And that, that's a fact for many organizations. I'm not anti-AI by any means, but you, you need to know, don't get in front of your skis because it'll bite you. Um, you're also, um, we have um, membership meetings. We have webinars, as I said, a lot of our vendors, and they're not um, uh, product pitches. In fact, it's a requirement that we stay vendor neutral. So if a vendor is giving a webinar, it's about um, thought leadership and best practices around certain types of, whether it's customer information or internal um, identities or what you're doing for zero trust. If you're familiar at all with zero trust, which is a very popular buzzword, and a lot of people don't really know what they mean when they're saying that, is um, that you're only giving access to only those people that need access to anything only at a given point in time, at which po after which that expires. 
So, uh, you know, when someone asks me to define zero trust, the definition I use, and I happen to know John Kindervag, the father of zero trust, he won't agree oh, with yeah. this. But zero trust to me means no memory. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. You identify, here's who you say you are, you confirm you are. Yes, you have this access, you can do that. And then poof, the memory goes away. You want to do it again, you have to go through the whole process again. So um, what was kinda the like first 50, thing, though? Kind of yes. like 50 first dates. For yes. those that seen the movie. Yep, exactly. Um, so it's um, it all starts with identity. And, and you can find all of that information, how to do it, and where to go for more information through IDSA. I know it sounds like I'm doing a hard sell sales pitch for here, but, but this is not, the reason I'm involved in it, because I, I really think it's the right thing to do. It's not. There's there's a lot of um, really important stuff on the nonprofit side and security that's that's really critical for practitioners who who if if you don't speak about it they don't know it exists and they think they have to reinvent it or invent it themselves and you don't have to because really there's a lot of hard work and practitioners mm-hmm. that have put you know their thoughts on a papers in a podcast in a in a in a blogs into webinars. And all you have to do is just take the time to go do it. And, and by the way, and I, I know you're not, you're not a, you know, I'm a big AI fan, right? I've, I've adopted a lot more AI because it's, it's made my life much, much easier um, in, in specific, specific parts of my life. But that's one of them. Take a webinar, download it, upload <laughs> it to generative, uh, upload it to chat GPT, say, give me a, give me a, a, a 500 word piece on on this webinar and what it actually is and it does just that take a youtube link go to chat gbt say give me a summary of this video and i'll give you a robust summary of the video you can read it and walk away with it and go all right i want to see that part of it and then you can go back and watch those five minutes that really mean something to you that kind of fills that knowledge gap there's there's something to be said about using ai efficiently in order to 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 maximize um, your, your knowledge base while, while, you know, limiting the amount of time you invest doing something so that you're getting really what you want. You know, I'm glad you said those two things because what AI isn't doing right now and shouldn't do is saying, giving you less work. In fact, all AI should be able to do is save you some time and maybe point you to the right resources, but it should never do your work for you. At least not right now. No, it should give you, uh, uh, I wouldn't trust the computer to do my work for me ever, but I would say, give me a summary of something Uh, Mm -hmm. because if the summary doesn't make sense, then you can obviously question it, right? You can go about giving it a different prompt. You can go about doing it very differently. You can, you know, send it to someone who's actually done it. And I've done this before, right? I've reached out to someone on LinkedIn who I just saw their webinar and I go, Hey, this is a summary of the webinar. Do you think that how accurate do you think this is to what, you know, you just did in your Mm -hmm. webinar and they'll go a hundred percent or, it's missing this one key point. And now you've, you've, you've really achieved, you know, what, what you're looking for in order to fill it. But, but don't let AI do your work for you. Don't let AI think for you. Let AI fill gaps of knowledge that would help you be a more effective thinker and executor and, 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 and a keeper of a security program in your organization. I'm glad you use that term. You're a keeper of the security program because that is, you are the custodian of the security program when right. when you when you're a CISO or or equivalent, and that has to be an integral part of the business. It is no longer part of IT or even IT only, and it's no longer separate from the business. Even though a lot of people still use that terminology, when you're not part of the business, you're not part of the business. Yeah, you're. you're 
as long as you keep playing with networking and firewall settings and EDR and MDR, um, you're, you're missing security. And the frustration, unfortunately, and I'm going to say this, and some people may have their feelings hurt, but I'm sorry, but uh, you tune in because I always speak truth. Always. Here's the truth. If you can't get the message across, there are organizations that will help you get the message across and win buy-in. If you don't try, that falls squarely on your shoulders. Exactly. Squarely on your shoulders. You have to continuously try. Try it one way. It didn't work. Try another way. Reach out to Jeff and go, how do I do it? Your Jeff couldn't get you. Reach out to Clint Maples. Great guy, right? Reach out to Clint. Clint will help you do it. Can't get to Clint. Reach out to Gary Hayslip. He'll help you do it. Go to Chris Roberts. It, there are so many people with drove years of experience who are happy to share it. Happy, happy to share it. Um, all you have to do is just send him a message and go, I'm striking out here. What am I doing? You know, one of my mentors early on, uh, Bill Murray, not the comedian, <laughs> um, he retired in 2000. He is still giving security advice to anyone that asks. It, when you're in this industry, you're in this industry for life. Yeah, you're part of the community forever. You can't get out. Mm -hmm. Jeff, um, thank you so much. I know we're, we're five minutes over our allotted time, but like, there's just so much stuff to talk about here when it comes to identity, I'd love to have you back on early next year again, and we can kind of see where, where security stands, uh, uh, you know, six months from now, November, let's, you know, plan to have you back on around April, May and, and, and see how, uh, how identities, uh, you know, improved in six months. Is there measurable progress? You know, I think there will be. And since you mentioned April, uh, mentioned April, there's one last thing I want to, I want to leave with everyone. In addition to everything we offer, we have an annual conference. It's an online conference. It's Identity Management Day. It's the second Tuesday of April every year. So next year, it'll be April 9th. This past year, 2023, we had 1,100 attendees. Um, we had 32 sessions, I think six, uh, pardon me, 32 presenters, 16 unique sessions during the day. We had, um, it, just like a, an in-person conference, you had a card. It was an online card when you go to a vendor's booth. Um, they'll click it for you. You can see videos, download some of their documents, interact with them online or in video. Um, and then we had drawings for prizes at the end of the day. It was um, it was a fun time where a lot of people learned a lot about identity they didn't know before. So let's plan to talk around then. And we can either go right before Identity Management Day and get everyone ready for it or right after. And I can tell you how, how much of a success I, I am, it was. I'm depressed that you said April 9th. Um, uh, we'll, we'll be in Israel for uh, CyberTech, which is... Uh, which uh, because of the war in Israel uh, was moved from January to April 8th through the 11th. Um, so I'd love to have it on and still promote it beforehand. Um, um, that would be great. I won't be able to attend, which is a, a, a very, very sad. But we do record all the sessions so you can look at all of them um, after. In fact, love it. Perfect. Jeff, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, do you want to share the uh, domain for uh, IDSA? Sure. It's IDSalliance.org. Go check that out, y'all. Thanks you to Jeff and thanks to everyone else for tuning in today. We really appreciate y'all. Have a great rest of your day. Stay cyber safe and most importantly, have a great weekend, y'all. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.